Konnichiwa. And howdy, y'all. I'm Leslie. And I'm Laurie. And welcome to Sumo, Sumo Kaboom. Where we talk about all things sumo. Yeah, and I am titling today's episode, One Does Not Simply Become a Yokozuna. One does not simply take the white belt. One does not simply call oneself this is a, long a title. Yokozuna. That's right. <laughs> Well, you got to get the right Lord of the reference. Lord of the reference. <laughs> I do like that Lord of the Rings reference, but yes. it's the Lord of the reference. Lord of the reference. It a works. Lord of the reference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about what it takes to become a Yokozuna because uh, Yokozuna runs are in everybody's mind. It's an exciting time in sumo. We're at the tail end of a Simone Biles-style Yokozuna run. Of course, I'm talking about Hakuho. Yeah, his whole career. I mean, yeah. he is kind and of the great... It's so sad, though, to like yeah. say that, but we know that I know. it's coming. Well, because he said he's yeah. in until the Olympics, and maybe the fall, he's hinted that he might stick around until the beginning of next year. But he's talking about his retirement, no, so he's on he's his way out. He's just going to carry the flame, and he's going to do the opening ceremonies of the Olympics, and then he's going to, like, retire. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what he does, okay? <laughs> but we're also at the cusp of seeing seeing some new Yokozuna, and there's a possibility in this next Basho that a couple guys could be going on their Yokozuna run. So depending on how they do at the next tournament... There's a chance that they could become Yokozuna. So we thought we should spend some time looking at what's required to become an, uh, an official Yokozuna, like yeah. how that decision is made. I've brought to today's sumo luncheon a meat tray. A meat tray of the last few guys who became Yokozuna and how they managed to do it, how their Yokozuna sandwiches got made, if you will. So I looked at uh, Haramafuji. The Harumafuji ham sandwich, Kakadu's Kobe beef and Swiss sandwich, Hakaho's Harubin sandwich, and Kasuno Sato's creamy basil cream cheese Ooh, sandwich. Ooh, I don't like so much creamy. Oh, you don't like I don't that like, one? I don't like that. I couldn't that. come up with another K. No, it's too much creamy. Kasuno Sato's... What's all it have to do with meat? Are you making a charcuterie? Yes. Okay. I'm making a sumo charcuterie, a Yokozuna charcuterie <laughs> platter. <laughs> Of the last, in a nutshell, we're just talking about the past <laughs> Yokozunas, but uh, yeah, yes. and how they got there because honestly, it helped me understand a little bit more about what it takes to become a Yokozuna. That's why. Sweet, yeah. So I'm looking at their records. Well, then first, let's get to a news flash. <sighs> oh, the Asanoyama drama. Asanoyama drama. Yeah, that's a, ooh, Asanoyama drama. Yeah. Well, his fate will be decided on June 11th. Yeah, we don't know yet, right? No, but we think rumors are it's just going to be a few Basho suspension. And of course, he would lose his rank, which completely sucks because mm -hmm. it's all about him lying. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, but they don't think that they're going to recommend he retire, which is good. So all of this is just so much drama, but then maybe he, like Ted and Afuji, will fall down the ranks, or like Abi, and come back up, and he will find his fire, and then the next time he's running for Yokozuna, he will have just more gas in the tank, or more something to yeah. get him there. Well, they haven't asked any of the other guys to retire, so it would be 
It would be strange if they asked him to retire over that. Well, you never know. We are hoping that uh, we won't be missing him for too long. So I really don't have any other news other than I just want to talk a bit about John Gunning and how fun that was. Oh. And I think so many of you guys really seem to enjoy that. You enjoyed Konishki. And I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for spreading the word. We've had a lot of new followers. We love new followers. It's um, really wonderful to see you guys spread the word. So I just wanted to say thank you. This road to Yokozuna. You mean one does not simply become a Yokozuna? <laughs> the longest title <laughs> in the history of the world. Um, well, I don't know. We could title it anything at this point. But the, the reason why at least I kind of wanted to talk about Yokozuna this week is, yeah, like, I mean, we can talk about other people's, you know, run, but we're really talking about Ted and Fuji's run. He's at the forefront. Uh, and you can disagree, but and, we're all he's number one. I'm not disagreeing. Oh, sisterly love, you guys. It's a thing. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying there's two. Exactly. Yeah. Ted yeah. Fuji and, and Takakesha. Yeah. But yeah. number one is is Ted and Fuji. And and inspired really by hearing John Gunning talk about him. And then um Sumo follower on Twitter posted a blog post from um Aminishiki or Ajigawa Oyakata. And um, thank you for translating for us. And he had a lot to say about Tadanofuji, which was good, but also like had me, you know, worried because he's really honest about like the guys in constant pain. But um, he does have what it takes and he has had it all along. So he is he's on everyone's mind because he just won the Basho and he won the Basho before. And um by the way, going into this next Basho, his record is, well, he he won the Basho when he came back July 2020. He won it from Maegashira 17, and then he had a little slump there, but then he came back November 2020. He was the runner-up, Technique Prize. He was at Komusubi January 2021, Sekiwaki, Technique Prize, runner-up as well. He won March 2021 at Sekiwaki, Outstanding Performance. And then he just won at Ozeki. So he does have two back-to-back -back wins. It's just the very first one was from the Sekiwaki position. But I do think it's remarkable when you look at his record. His record is, is, is amazing to me. And with the requirements of a Yokozuna to have two Yu shows back-to-back -back as an Ozeki, also having Hinkaku, which is power, skill, grace, dignity, or equivalent performance mm -hmm. that gives it that wiggle room or leeway and it appears to me he obviously has hinkaku he has the technique and skill and there have been others who have been promoted with lesser you know um, records and that equivalent performance and who it's determined by the the ydc the yokozuna deliberation council um, it interests me because that's what I want to talk about a little bit is the YDC and the recommendation for Yokozuna, why it even exists, and some of this wiggle room that they give people when they promote people or when they don't. Okay. So we discussed how one can become a Yokozuna in a past episode or two. I'm sure we've talked about it a number of times, but... Even though the roots of sumo go back 1,500 years or more, the Yokozuna promotion has had an 
interesting past. Slightly before the Meiji era, officially 1868 to 1912, the name Yokozuna was given as a privilege to certain wrestlers as they would wrestle before the shogun. Now, a rich patron or a prestigious family would support the wrestler and could have enough social pull to get their wrestlers before the eyes of nobility. And just a reminder, shoguns existed from 1185 up to the Meiji era in 1868. I have a really dumb question. Yes. What is a shogun? I'm about to tell you. Great. It's translated from way back when to mean commander-in-chief of the expeditionary force against the barbarians. <laughs> expeditionary <laughs> force that goes out and fights people un- that are not like you. Well, okay, so it's the real rulers of Japan were the shoguns. They engaged militarily all over Japan together with their officials. Now, they were given their shogunate or their they were given their shogun status by the emperor, and the emperor was kind of more like a ceremonial figurehead. So it was really the shoguns that would engage militarily and bring people or bring sections under their power or under their control. And, like a general. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so it was often that a shogun would be a military warrior himself. It was a big deal. Okay, so... To get your wrestler in front of like a military commander, that would be a big deal. And so they decided, well, this is a big privilege, so we should add a little flair. We should give them a doyo iri, a, a special ring entering ceremony that they can do and they can wear this special belt if they're going to be in front of the shogun, okay? In the old days, the highest ranking was an ozeki. This Yokozuna license, it was kind of just given out willy-nilly, I guess, or at least at the discretion of the very powerful families that doled them out. The Yoshidas and I believe the Gojos. Um, Anyway, it was the Yoshidas that ended up holding on to this special ability to dole out a Yokozuna license for like 800 years. That's a family? Yeah. 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 So one family. Yes. But what I found was really interesting. Okay. So this one family, the Yoshida family, first guy, Yoshi, well, the guy who gave out the first license, Yoshida. The guy who came up with the idea was like, we can just simply make someone (laughs) a Yokozuna. (laughs) One does simply become a Yokozuna. Yeah. And his name was Yoshida Zenzeemon. And he gave out the first two in 1789. Now, he gave them out. If you look at the list of Yokozuna, there's like one, two, and three that like are listed as Yokozuna. But these are the ones, number four, number five, that he gave a license to. And what's crazy about these guys, they weren't even Ozeki. They were Sekiwake. So here's the interesting part to me. This kind of blew my mind. What was happening at the time is Sumo was considered kind of like... Not lowbrow, but low class. There were street fights. You know, it was not something that you would put in front of nobles. It was just like what, I don't know, people on the streets were like, just... Let's wrestle. Yeah. It was not refined. So to bring in more money from promoters and to have your wrestler wrestle in front of a shogun, it made a bigger show. And at the end of the day, the attempt to make it classier is what they were aiming for so that they could make more money and make it classier 
and they gave him a doyo iri and a special belt. And then all of a sudden, all these people would be like, oh, I want to go see these fancy, belts. you know, right. When they'd been seeing him like fight in the street. But yeah. the crazy thing this was. This guy has a white belt. Exactly. Let's go see him do his special dance. It's new. Anyway, so the um, the reason why they chose not necessarily the Yoshida guy, he didn't choose the Ozekis to be a Yokozuna. He chose the Sekiwakis because they were large in physique and they were like handsome or good looking. They looked good. So the reason why the first two guys got it was that they just looked better than the other guys who were actually ranked higher than them. But it was intended to get people to it come was, and see them. It was a publicity stunt. Yeah, in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. So this episode was so hard for me to research because it was really, it was just like digging and digging and digging mm-hmm. into why we have a Yokozuna mm-hmm. license. Were they wrestling in Shinto shrines before well, then? Well, that's the part. I forgot because I know we've researched this before and and I know the research I've done has said that at one point to bring in more money to the temples and shrines, they would host sumo tournaments yeah. and that would bring in people and money and people would donate to the shrine. So I'm sure very much it, it's always been, you know, linked up with Shinto religion. But as far as whenever the Yokozuna license came into peace came into power, came into being. I don't know if it was, I I think it goes back to prior before that. But then, I don't know. There's, it's, it's really hard, like all the years to figure out when things came to be. Yeah. So the Yoshida family wanted to insert their influence over the sport and other people did too. The promoters were like, let's take this up a notch. Right. Mm -hmm. And the Yokozuna license did exactly that. But what's interesting is that it fell out of fashion. There were like 40 years after that, that there were no Yokozuna licenses doled out. Probably because everybody else was like, you guys know that family just made that up, right? <laughs> yes, it, it was. <laughs> but, um, but it kind of worked because the ruling classes ended up, you know, taking sumo up to this new spiritual level with the fancy new belt and the fancy new dance. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, the Yoshidas still were in charge, though, of I guess there were just 40 years of lazy Yoshidas and they were like, I'm not into giving out licenses. Anyway, it took until 1890 for the rank of Yokozuna to officially make it to the Banzuke because a Yokozuna had demanded it, that it be written down. And his name was, he was the 16th Yokozuna, Nishinomi Kajiro I. So at the time, okay, there was some sort of mix up. There were like four Ozeki and he didn't like the way it was laid out on the Bonzuke. So there's, at the time, I think there were only normally two Ozeki. So they just happened to have more. And there were like these tabs, (laughs) these extra tabs. And Mm -hmm. he felt slighted that he was like, I got pushed out. And so he insisted to make him look a little fancier that he be listed as a Yokozuna. So I guess there was somebody who gave him a license. Anyway, maybe that was 40 years that just went by that nobody had a license, but they started to give him again after 40 years. That makes sense. From 1789, and then then there were 40 years in there that didn't have one. But then this guy got one again. So they somewhere in there, they started doling him out again. Okay. But there was a 40-year break. So he didn't like the way it looked. And so he asked 
that yeah, I don't they, like being a pet tab. I, right. Don't, yeah. I would like you to write Yokozuna next to my name. And so they did it to appease him, basically. Well, he's and a now, big, beautiful wrestler he with was. a license. Exactly. He was like, I'm going to show off my license. Yeah. I need to be at the top <laughs> with my name the largest, please. That's right. It was mainly just kind of a historical record of who had a license up to that point. And it took until 1909. So really, this was like 100 and... 100 years ago. Yeah. That the 19th and 20th Yokozuna, they pushed for it to be recognized as a whole new rank, as the top dog spot. So really, we've only been dealing with this as a ranking for 100 years. And the Yoshida family, part of their deal was that they did not recognize the rank and they still did not recognize the rank until 1950, which means they had still been giving out the Yokozuna license until 1950. So this one family was giving out licenses willy-nilly until 1950? Yes, but I think that, you know, they weren't just like anybody, but I think more later on they were like, okay, this guy does deserve to get a license. We'll give him, but but we are the only ones who can give it out. Okay. They didn't want it done by committee. Right. They wanted to do it themselves and and retain the ability to make that decision on their own. Right. Without any input. Right. And they still were only like, you guys are all Ozekis. It's just some of you will give you a license. We'll decide who you are. And we'll decide. Okay. But then... Then there was some sort of scandal that happened in the Yoshida family oh. in the nineteen in about nineteen fifty. Scandals yes. in sumo. Well, no, of of these rich noble people. I know. Well, right, scandals in sumo. Well, so that, what had happened mm-hmm. is this Yoshida guy. He got into some sort of financial mess. He yes. just made it just a whole shit show of his life. Yes. Okay, so he was in no position to be accepted in society. Right. He, he had no business telling who it's going to be the next Yokozuna right. when he when his life was falling apart. Yeah. OK. Also, at the same time, there had been scandals amongst the actual sumo wrestlers. Okay. Now, one scandal was this Yokozuna named Maidayama. OK, so he got sick during a tournament and he pulled out saying he had colitis okay. and then cut to. Like towards the end of the tournament, he was pictured in the papers and he went to go see a baseball game with Lefty O'Doul, who was like a very famous baseball player who played for the Yankees, the Red Sox and the Phillies, I think. But he was just like, I, I'm just going to go see some baseball. And they're like, there's literally a tournament going on. And he's like all over the newspapers. But so, I'm a Lefty fan. But I'm a Lefty fan. So they suspended him. And then there was just like the two. family other- did? Well. What ha- they? they, okay, they was an outside expert said, look, there's a lot of sh- crazy shit going on. The Yoshida guy is like losing his noble status with his financial He's draining money. Exactly. Right and left. The Yokozunas over here that are being managed or given their license by the Yoshida fan, they're going off the deep end. They're, they're injured. Watching baseball. They're watching baseball. They're getting suspended. We need to establish a council. Of lay people who are who are very knowledgeable at the sport, who are fans of the sport, and let them decide from here on out who gets to be Yokozuna. So that is how the YDC came to be. And it was established in January 1950 due to that 
turmoil caused by the suspension of the of the three Yokozuna at the time. I'm not sure one went to a baseball game. The other two seem injured. The Yoshida guy helped in the first transition into the YDC. So he was kind of like the head of the YDC. Okay. But then he officially retired in 51 because of personal convenience. I have no idea what that means. Okay. So... The YDC is basically a bunch of regular people, about 10 or so, currently there's about seven, who make a recommendation to the JSA about who they think should be considered for the Yokozuna position. They each serve about 10 years. They used to serve like 15 or 20. And then I think in the mid-90s, they were like, hey, like, go find something else to do. So they they usually do two terms back to back. And they're like journalists, media right. people, mm-hmm. fans. Like, right now, there's always like a newspaper president in there. There's Right now, there's a political activist. There's a composer. There's a guy who heads up Japan Tobacco. So they're very successful people. Yes. We still like have the whole idea of nobility or high, high social status people. Mm-hmm. Just traded it out instead of one high status guy, giving it to like 10 high status people. Got it. They got to understand sumo. And you can see them because they often sit behind the main sideline judge. They have reserve seats. And perhaps those are the people getting smashed all the time by (laughs) the wrestlers that jump off the doyo. So So, if it was America, did you play this game? If it was America, who would be on the YDC? No, I did not. Oh, Um, would it be like Yo-Yo Ma? Yo-Yo Ma would definitely be on there. And Bill Gates? Um, yeah, or, um, Paul McCartney would definitely I think it'd be, be, on be there. like Steven Spielberg. There has to be like, oh, I would film. take that a film guy, but let's but put some ladies be... on there. Oh yeah, you're right. We're going right well, to men. It is it. Well, because it is usually all men, but it is open to women. Oh, a woman could serve on the YDC. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, how sad. I cannot think of a woman who is a CEO of a big company right now. How sad is that? Well, it probably wow. just, well, it would probably be. Okay, let's put Oprah Winfrey on there. Let's put Oprah. Let's put Shonda Rhimes. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Oh, okay. Um, but if you she, believe in her, Bridgerton? yes. Bridgerton? Shonda Rhimes. She, she wrote like, that? Yeah, and all the, she, no, she's just a huge producer. Oh, okay. Okay, I Shonda Land. You. Can we put Tyler Perry on there? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay, and then let's put on... Oh, who? Well, we have to put on like some political. It has. There's a political activist. What about? Oh, what's her name? That's Greta. Let's put Greta on there. Greta Thunberg. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm sure she loves sumo. Yeah. Guy Fieri. <laughs> a barbecue specialist. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Right. <laughs> I'm desperately trying to. So we think have of, Yo-Yo, like, Yo-Yo Ma. I like Yo-Yo Ma. Upper Winfrey. <laughs> Guy Fieri. Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg. You need a newspaper. Greta. Greta. (laughs) I like our list. I like our list, too. Maybe we just go with those five. (laughs) Anyway, but did you know that there have been a couple of times that there were no Yokozuna? Yeah. Yes. You do have to have a Tuozeki, but you do not have to have a Yokozuna. That's right. I would like to believe that... Tadanofuji or Takakesho will close that gap and we will indeed have no gap in Yokozuna. Yeah, who knows? Anything's possible. Yeah, anything's possible. Are you ready to look at numbers? Yeah. Did all that make sense? Although I will say one thing that has always confused me a little bit about the YDC 
is it seems to be a committee of people. Uh, well, they have no teeth. It's an right. advisory council, and it seems like there's levels of reprimands they can offer. Some yeah. are more severe and some are not severe at all. It's just kind of like a little slap on the wrist. But it doesn't seem to mean anything, although maybe the most severe reprimand really is a bad thing to a Yokozuna. Like, that's where my question is. At, at what point do they have any teeth? At yeah. what point does what they say really, really matter? Really matter. Yeah. yeah, because it's just a recommendation. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I read this really interesting it was translated, but it was an opinion piece from a Japanese article about the YDC and how they often put water out on, you know, a resurgence of popularity in sumo by their negative, like their only, the only thing they ever do is say negative things, it seems. And this journalist was kind of saying, like, it's a bunch of like old people who think they're important and all they do is just kind of put a damper on any sort of excitement by well, just Oprah, saying negative things. Oprah would not do that. Oprah would totally not stand for that. Yeah, no, she would be loud and proud for anybody who is standing up and being a Yokozuna. Absolutely. So maybe they need Oprah on their YDC. They they should. She could turn it around. Yeah, she could. Although Greta's a little dour, but... <laughs> But her heart's in the but right place. Her heart's place. totally in the right place. Yeah, Absolutely. and she's a fighter, man. She, she is will a not give up. She does understand the fighting spirit. Yeah. Um, she absolutely has hinkaku. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they don't have a lot of say. But then again, if you are on your Yokozuna run, if you're kind of middle ground or they're not excited about you and they don't recommend you, then the JSA probably is like, well, then I guess we can't really recommend them if they're kind of middle ground or we don't know you know what i mean maybe i mean well, is there not. any is there any evidence of that i didn't yeah find any i mean yeah i still have big questions like do they write a do they write a letter and they say these are the people we we recommend right now or do they write a letter and say we recommend no one i mean it, it, you're right it seems like the only time i hear about them and maybe this is just the timing of when I started to watch Sumo, too. The only time I hear from them is when they're saying something negative. I was not watching when the last Yokozuna was appointed. I was not into Sumo back then. The last one that came in was Kisena Sato in 2017. Yeah, maybe that experience is simply due to my being so new to the sport. I've never really seen what they do at the time when they appoint someone new. From what I've read, there's a group of people that go to a stable of someone who's about to get promoted and they do a little, you know, uh, hey, we've decided this is what we're recommending. Right. right. Uh, and then there's another ceremony that takes place and all that kind of stuff. So maybe there is an awful lot of positive stuff that happens with the YDC. We just, yeah, only hear about the negative stuff. They're yeah. like, they're going on again about recommendations or we highly suggest you perform. Yeah. I, I wonder. Know. Are they, though, meant to be the bad guys? Because the JSA, which is wrestlers, you know, it's all wrestlers or previous wrestlers, right? Yeah. If they don't recommend a Yokozuna, then the JSA is like, because they know the wrestlers intimately, they know them well because they've been, you know, coaching them or been beside them, then they can maybe pass a little bit of the blame off onto, I mean, I'm sure it's not the whole thing, but, 
you know, they can be like, well, the YDC didn't give you the recommendation, even though they may feel the same way. They're just like, oh, well, got to impress them better. (laughs) And then maybe we'll get the recommendation and then we'll vote. I mean, that's what Facebook is doing right now with decisions about who is allowed to be on their platform. They're like, this is too hard a decision for us to make Mm in-house. So we need an advisory committee. Mm -hmm. We need people from outside of Facebook to help us determine these privacy issues and these security issues. And they're bigger than us. So maybe it's similar somehow. Well, and the whole reason the YDC existed, the the expert who came in to Yoshida way back then and said, like, hey, you need some help. He was a wrestler himself. So that was the expert that oh. told them, you need to get a counsel. Like, you're just your life is a mess. Get a counsel. They'll they'll decide these things. You don't. it, it doesn't fall squarely on your shoulders. That way it's done by a group. It can be, you know, majority rules and they can make the recommendations. Hmm. Interesting. I jumped into the world of stats for this one. This was a challenge for me. This is a bit like uh, playing Tetris for me. I I do not understand why people play Tetris for fun. Oh, I like Tetris. I hate Tetris. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the little spots that I, everything oh. can go into so perfectly. It's very satisfying. Oh, see, to me, it's like doing my taxes. Oh, like, I like Tetris. See, you could be a stats person. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't say I love taxes, but I do like tallying things up. Yeah, see, I'm just, uh, I mean, I can do these things, but it takes a lot of effort. It's not easy. So I believe in you, though. Yeah, well, thanks. So I looked at the last five guys who became Yogazuna and when and their records before and when they were promoted, when they tried and failed and when they actually got promoted. Let's start with Asa Shoryu. Asa Shoryu became Yokozuna in 2003. I think he's really interesting because he became Yokozuna really fast, really quickly. Basically, he got his Ozeki status, and in his second and third Basho as Ozeki, he won two Yusho in a row with 14-1 wins, and he was promoted immediately. Like, there's no question. Well, 14-1 back-to-back, is that's impressive. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so, so he w- it was just like, boom, I am here, I am Ozeki, win-win, I'm in, I'm Yokozuna. Yeah. So the next person after that to become Yokozuna was in 2007, and it was Hakuho, which is amazing because he's still a Yokozuna. That was, this is 2007. That's crazy, but beautiful. Yeah, yeah really gorgeous. He was he became Ozeki and he actually won his very first tournament as Ozeki in a playoff. He didn't win it outright. He won it in a playoff. And then he was runner up in his second Ozeki tournament. So he won the first one, was runner up in the second one, which according to the rules of sumo would be enough to become Yokozuna and he was not promoted. Right. Which is so interesting because yes. I assure you, if you want to talk about Hinkaku or whatever they thought about, I don't know, maybe Hakaho was different back then. Both of them have been feisty, for yes. what I understand. Yes. But they've always been harder on Hakaho. I, I don't Just know. Just about everything. I don't know. But, you know, I assure you, like I said, he won two in a row. So there was no question. Right. That's true. And it when you, it seems like if you're runner up, it's you land in gray water. 
Because sometimes they will say yes, and sometimes they right. will say no. If it's in reverse, if it's like you got runner-up and then you won the next yeah. tournament, that's a whole different ballgame. Because well, that's what, isn't that what happened with Kakaru? Well, we're going to get there. Okay. I mean, it's different for each one of these guys. This is what I find so fascinating. Yeah. But I think it's important to note that Hakuho had the numbers and he, you know, he checked off the boxes really early in his when he was Ozeki and he didn't get it. That next tournament after he did not get his Yokozuna status, he had, I think it was like an 8-7 record. And then he went out due to injury. Mm. And I'm sure the YDC at that point was like, I'm so glad we did not get him that Yokozuna status because look at him. He's out. He's injured. He just does not have what it takes. <laughs> but then he came flying back in 2007 and he won four out of the six tournaments yeah. in 2007. He was shoving it in their face. Yeah. Yeah. And so the YDC was like, oh, okay, you're a Yokozuna <laughs> in 2007. Can't deny didn't get it. Didn't get it in 2006, but did get it in 2007. Yeah. Well, and you wonder, I was like, was there a changeover in the YDC? Because you also have to factor that into it. The YDC, everyone's years changes and they have new members and they have old members that come and go. Well, so you maybe. never know why in some eras, some people got promoted and in other eras, it was a little easier. Well, but also, I mean, you just look at his record and you go, OK, he had a win and a runner up. And the next year he had a win. He didn't win again, and then he won, 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 won. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. for him, yeah. And maybe that's what makes Hakaho tick, is that he's going to show you he can. He's the best. And I think looking at their numbers, it also proves that people continue to get better. Yeah. People continue to gain the experience they need to perform at the highest levels, and that truly is what it seems like the YDC is waiting for. But... <sighs> you're gambling on when people are wrestling at their highest levels and people get hurt at the highest levels. Right. So that was Asa Shoryu, Hakuho, two very different rises to Yokozuna, Haramafuji. Now, Haramafuji became Yokozuna in 2012. I did not realize this, but was in Ozeki for four solid years before becoming Yokozuna. I mean, he was doing pretty well as an Ozeki, but it took him four years before he won two tournaments back to back to be promoted. And what's so fabulous about his record is when he won those back to back, he won them both with 15 and 0 records. Wow. Before then, he did win a couple of tournaments in those four years as Ozeki, but he could not do it back to back. He couldn't follow it up with another win. So he'd win one and then kind of do okay for a while and well, then win another one. Think about your competition. Your yeah. competition is also Shoryu and <laughs> That is incredible. Yeah. So when he finally did it with those two 15-0 records back-to-back, there was no question that he should be Yokozuna and was promoted. Okay. Kakadu was promoted to Yokozuna in 2014. He was an Ozeki almost two years, not quite two years, before he earned promotion. He was producing, as an Ozeki, results like 9-6, 10-5, 11-4, just slowly getting better and better. And then he had one runner-up in which it was a playoff loss. So mm -hmm. he was in a playoff and right. he lost. Right. And then the next one, he won the U-show 
This was in 2014, and he was promoted immediately. So he did not get two in a row. Right. He got a runner-up and then a win. So very different. I think they just liked him. I think they... you. How can you not like the guy? He's very likable. He is very likable. Dignified. He has all the hinkaku. He does. Compare this, though, with Kasina Sato. Kasina Sato was promoted in 2017. Now, he was an Ozeki, get this, for five years before promotion. That's a long time. Five years. That's a really long time. And <laughs> and I should have prefaced this by saying the elder Wakanahana, uh-huh. when he became Yokozuna, he never won a Yusho. He had two runner-ups in a row, and they promoted him to Yokozuna. So Kasuna Sato, when you look at his record, like in six Bashos in a year, he would have four runner-ups in a row. And they did not promote him. Over five years, 12, this, it just blows my mind, 12 times being runner-up and they did not promote him. And he was winning with 11-4, 12-3. I mean, great records. Yeah. Great records, but still not enough to, not enough to get promotion. It wasn't until 2017. When he finally won a Yusho and got a 14 and 1 record, and he had been a runner up in the December before with a 12 and 3 record. So it's like they watched this guy get runner up over and over and over and over and over and over again. They're like, just get a yeah. Yusho. And just when get he it. finally got that one Yusho in 2017, they were like, okay, great. We're going to give it to you. However, what happened for him then next is he got plagued with injuries. Yeah. I mean, for the next two years, yeah. And he only completed one Basho at a record of 10-5. He as gave Yokozuna. it all. He gave it all. He just could not perform anymore. He was yeah. injured because he had spent so long right. as Ozeki, and right. they never promoted the guy right. until he won the Yusho. So that's what's heartbreaking about his story. Is if like, he had gotten Yokozuna, he could have taken time <sighs> off and or taken a Basho off. And then healed in some way without having to continually go back to it and worry about being caught upon or, you know, all the stresses that come with being Ozeki. Yeah. I would have thought that the YDC would want to promote him, especially because well, he they, was a Japanese Ozeki. Yeah. I would have thought that with that many runners up, they would have kicked him up. But they didn't. I think if you look at what they did to the previous Yokozunas and putting them through the ringers, you know, especially Hakaho that it probably would have been obvious that they were playing nationalist favorites if they had given it to him without a Yusho. They were, I think it's so obvious that they were like, just get one Yusho. That's all you need, buddy. It's just one Yusho and then you're in. But we'll give it the, to you without the two back to back. All they would have had to do is point to Wakanahana and say he did it. I know. But that was so long ago. It so, was in the 70s. Yeah. It was in the 70s. But still, they had there was historical precedent. There was. They could have said, you have performed well enough. You just got four runner-ups in a row. You got it. But they didn't. That brings us to the two fellows that are on Yokozuna Runs right now. Terunofuji and Takakesho. Yes, we've already talked about Terunofuji's numbers. I had forgotten that his real name was Gantolga. Yes. <laughs> I saw that the other day. And I was like, oh. Gantolga. Ganny. Yep. Gantolga. <laughs> What I had forgotten also about Gantolga is that he's been in a Yokozuna run before. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. In 2015, Terunofuji was runner-up twice in a row as Ozeki. 
the first runner-up he lost in the playoff. I am discovering after looking at these stats that it does make a difference. If you lose in a playoff, it looks better. Like if your numbers are tied with the lead and you lose in the playoff, that's better than if you're one or two behind the pace and you share that second place with other people. Yeah. You have a greater chance of becoming Yokozuna if you lose in the playoff and you're not just second place. In 2015, he lost in a playoff and then the next one, he was second place. They didn't promote him then. That's 2015. He had some injuries. Came back in 2017. He had a 13-2 runner-up in March. And then in May, he had a 12-3 runner-up. So he was second place two times in a row. Again. They didn't give it to him then. And then he had his big-time injuries, and he fell all the way down. I guess my my point is that he has had two opportunities to try at Yokozuna before. And remember in that one, I think it was a Yusho, a post-Yusho win interview in which he said, in the past, I've not done well under pressure. Mm-hmm. I think these are the opportunities that he's talking about. Yeah. Like he's had a chance to win at this level of Ozeki and he hasn't been able to grasp it in 2015 and 2017. Which is kind of heartbreaking when it you is. think of it. But the thing is, too, it's like once you go through that. You and have I'm more no, experience. And he just has a lot of composure this time through. Yeah. I, I feel you can really see. I mean, he's obviously nervous like anybody would be, but um, he seems to be more level-headed going into these bouts. You yeah. Know? So I think if the guy wins or if he loses in a playoff, I would think either one of those scenarios, it would be awfully hard to say no to a Yokozuna promotion. What's crazy, though, is that when you think if they did give Wakanahana the Yokozuna yeah. at two runner up, or yeah. like, we have two wins. It's just the first one was from a Sekiwaki position, which is a difficult position. That's a tough position. Yeah, yeah but so your record, like, they don't even look at that. That's what's so nuts about it. Like, anything no. that happened before you became Ozeki is just, just dead. It yeah, matter. it doesn't matter. It all depends on what you do as Ozeki. Yeah. If I were to, like, lick my finger and put it in the air, I think public opinion, like, people really want him to be Yokozuna. Yeah. I think we all want to see somebody in that rope. Yes. We really do. We don't want it to be, we don't want to be without Yokozuna. So, yeah, I think I agree in that he's, like, forefront in everybody's minds. If he can do well in this next Basho really, really well, it'll be hard to say no. Let's look at the other guy that we that also has a bit of a chance. Takakeisho. And by the way, if Hakaho comes back, I mean, there's just so much... There's just so much that can go into this next Basho that that's what's killing me. Because if Hakaho comes back and this is his last hurrah, you know sure as anything, he's going to be like, oh, I will win this. And that's the part that's going to kill me is like another Mongolian, like the greatest of all time, either losing and saying, like, I'm passing the torch or going out in typical Hakko fashion where he's like, I will always be remembered as the greatest of all time. I'm going to retire now with my last you show. I kind of feel like I'm going to cry either way. I know. <laughs> but like possibly deny him that. But um, I all know. I know is it's going to be a great fight. It's going to give me goosebumps. Uh, yeah. 
So, so good. Oh, my God. I just hope whatever happens in this next tournament, Terana Fuji goes out with his buddy Ichinojo, and they go enjoy like some fried chicken and some beef tongue (laughs) and just live it up after this next basho. They deserve it. Yeah. Okay. When I looked at Takakesho, it seems to be a good sign and a bad sign that he's 24. Let me go back. Terana Fuji is 29, which... In the age of like sumo age years is ancient. Like it's getting up there. Yeah. And Takakesho is 24, which is in sumo age very young. Something, there's some dramatic aging thing that happens between 24 <laughs> and 29. I don't know what it is. But Takakesho being 24, it seems like people are already saying, okay, if he becomes Yokozuna, he's only 24, he's so young. If he can't produce wins, because you have to win at that level, you would be forcing someone into early retirement if they can't produce the wins. So there's already this discussion of like, at what age should someone become a Yokozuna? And it might be too soon. He might be too young. So I can't, I don't know if it's a pro or if it's a con that he's 24, but it's in the discussion. Your thoughts? My thoughts are... There have been other guys that have been young at Yokozuna at that age. But um, for him, his biggest strike against him is what how everybody views his physique in that they say that he's just a pusher thruster, that he's he's not multi-skilled with his sumo. And um, Yeah, because uh, very few pusher thrusters end up exactly. the Exactly. That's always been the controversy with it, is that they've got to be different types of wrestlers. they got to have a typical you know, Hakaho or Ted and a Fuji build, they got to be taller. And he is a cannonball. He's just like a little round guy who is beyond strong. That to me is the undercurrent under it all, is that they will always weigh the fact that he is not a perfect looking, perfectly skilled Yokozuna, even if he gets the, the win. So we're back to PR. Yes. Yokozuna PR. See, I go back results. He hasn't been able to produce the consistent results like Terunofuji has. Right. He seems to have a really great tournament and then do not so well. Right. So it seems like there's somewhere in the YDC, there's someone who's saying, yes, but can they do it again and again? Well, but is that a result of him not being more than a lot more than a pusher thruster? Yeah. I don't know. You know? I don't and know. That, maybe that's why the results aren't there is that they're like, this guy has, he's a one trick pony and that trick is so friggin' good. But Ted and Fuji has all the yeah, tricks. Yeah, I don't know. He did have one other shot at Yokozuna. And that was last year. In September of 2020, he was runner up. Uh, and he followed by winning the U show in November in 2020 with a 13 2 playoff. So we had one runner-up and one win, and it although it worked, I know it was not good enough for <laughs> Takakesho. But interestingly, he did not perform well in January and pulled out early due to injury. injury yeah. So he has had a chance at this before. When you look at his last six Bashos, he has one Yusho and two second places. And the other three, you know, were there's there's the one that he pulled out due to injury. There was an 8-4-3. He pulled out there and then a 10-5. So it's just not quite the record that Terunofuji has with his three wins and two second places. There's just not <sighs> much moment, as much momentum there as there is behind Terunofuji. Yes. It's possible. It's definitely possible, but I think it would be surprising. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, after all this, I sort of, I'm now looking at Yokozuna in terms of weather forecasting. So I'm like, maybe we should think of it like Fuji has a 90% chance of getting the white belt if he wins, <laughs> if he wins the U show. If he comes in second, maybe he's got a 60% or 70% chance. And Takakesho has a 50% chance if he wins the next Basho, 30% chance if he comes in second. I don't know. With a chance of flash flooding and lightning. <laughs> and torrential downpour. Yeah, for, I'm forecasting high humidity. I'm forecasting low timidity. Well, good. There will be high humidity because yeah. this is Nagoya and it is notoriously hot. Yes. And it's really hard for the wrestlers. So they've been at the Coco Geekon for a while now. I think yeah. it's going to be just like a who knows. I think it's going to be a low pollen count, high <laughs> fallen count. <laughs> She's here all night, everybody. <laughs> Don't quit your day job. Oh. No, I'm kidding. You can quit. That was a good joke. Thanks. That is our style of sumo here at Sumo Kaboom. Thank you so much for listening. That was a lot to listen to. Yeah. Well, hopefully it helps you wrap your head around this whole idea of a Yokozuna run and what it takes to become a Yokozuna. And um, gosh, just how gray a field it is. That's right. All right. Until next week. We'll see you later. Sayonara. See you all later. Bye now. Bye.